Um, so we're here today because I wanted to talk about talk to you about something special, something different, actually. While connected to connected to a theme that we will apparently be going on throughout the entire show, and <laughs> this time I come prepared. You know, there are sometimes I come to the podcast and I have no idea what I'm talking about and I don't know what I'm about to say, but sometimes I come in, you know, fully ready to go. Are you ready? I'm ready. So, you know, in the teaser, we discussed very aptly the etymology of Dark Horse. <laughs> <laughs> and yesterday I was walking home, as I do, and I was thinking to myself, what about the term underdog? Mm-hmm. And as we are an etymology podcast over anything, I decided to look into it. And I thought I'd share some of my findings with you today on air. Please do. All right. So, <laughs> so um, the underdog was obviously the dog who lost the fight as opposed to the winning top dog. Mm-hmm. And the OED says that it originates in the U.S. And the earliest citation is in the British Daily Telegraph of 1887. And there are traces of earlier uses going back to 1882 from Professor Goldwyn Smith, who was quoting Dr. Van Buren Denslow. And the, yeah, the, and the quote is, but if the underdog in the social fight runs away with the bone in violation of superior force, the top dog runs after him bellowing, thou shalt not steal. And all the other top dogs unite in bellowing. That just goes to show how, how widely spread uh darwinism and social darwinism have been in in those times you know i think that time as well but what's really interesting to me is how sports that were more mainstream or i guess legal back in the 19th century or early 20th century linguistically connect to what how we speak today very regularly Mm-hmm. Right. Because like I would say horse racing is not nearly as big as it was in the in the early 20th century. And dogfighting obviously has become illegal since 1882. But the legacy of them is sort of born in the language that we still see today or we use today. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, that just makes you wonder which sports related terms will be used in like 100 years. Exactly. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, but we, there are so many sports terms in just regular usage of of the english language or any language for that matter <laughs> i love as well that, that this also comes from the 19th century so it's great so far we're not just an etymology podcast but we're also a 19th century etymology podcast 100 percent. i feel like we could just talk about this entirely and we'll have more listeners than if we talk about episode nine of season three of clone wars <laughs> yeah screw star wars for real though <laughs> Should we just pull an audible? Let's do it. <laughs> I, I was really wondering what you had prepared for me because you didn't tell me anything in advance, but this did not cross my mind at all. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So apparently there are other um, citations of <laughs> underdog, even going back to 1859, apparently, with... Um, newspaper in the newspapers sorry apparently by david barker titled the underdog in the fight and there's a long poem about underdogs and how they're weaker 
It's really interesting. And did you know also, so <laughs> I just have so much crap about this. I don't know why. <laughs> so um, we, so we say top dog now, yeah. right? But in the past, in an archaic form of the phrase top dog would actually be called um, an upper dog or an over dog. Mm. As opposed to, and that really makes sense how in the past it would be called an overdog versus underdog. And now we've kept top dog and kept underdog, where in reality they kind of don't make sense as an antonym if you just think about a top and under, but over and under for sure. Yeah, because bottom dog just is very ambiguous. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and vaguely sexual. Yeah, that's where I was going with this. Of course, I was going for the sexual path, man. If there is a place or time to use sexual innuendos, it is when we are being recorded and publishing (laughs) voice online. Exactly. Oh, my God. So, yeah, Um, here we are. A 19th century etymology podcast. Welcome to Serially Hooked. And here we are, talking about Clone Wars. What is Clone Wars, Rashad? I don't know. I've never seen it. So you need to explain to me what Clone Wars is. So essentially, Clone Wars is an animated TV show set between episodes two and three of the main Star Wars film series. Um, It is as, you know, as referenced by Obi-Wan in episode four, it is about the Clone Wars. Um, It is about... Um, a collection of clones, obviously, that if you're not familiar, <laughs> were made in the image of Django Fett on Camino, And it is essentially an anthology series that follows various events throughout the Clone Wars. Um, and not only the war itself, it follows different aspects or events throughout the entire Star Wars galaxy through just time period. So it's an interesting show because it's set in a way that it as I said, it's an anthology series, meaning that it jumps in time and it jumps between different storylines kind of haphazardly. And it goes back and forth in a really interesting way, a really unique way. And yeah, that's, so that's essentially what the Clone Wars is. It is the first you know, modern animated Star Wars show. It is the first show, Star Wars show that Dave Filoni is engaged with. And in some ways, and we're watching it, largely because it's interesting and also because it sets the foundation for a lot of the live action shows and the new generation of star wars that we have today there's going to be a huge high not hype but a huge reassessment of all the animated series that have existed so far just because of the mandalorian i mean that's how we came across it we uh to maybe pull the curtain back a little bit the two of us had been talking about Mandalorian as we watched it and just about talking about Star Wars in general. And I know that um, watching the show just um, inspired both of us to maybe want to rewatch this or to watch the show for the first time. You were way quicker than I was. So you've already watched it. I just didn't come around to it yet. And you just recommended it to me ceaselessly and that's why we're here it's essentially must watch tv now and it's not only because of the mandalorian the mandalorian is is 
it's like the Mandalorian, the Bad Batch, Django show, the Ahsoka show, the Obi-Wan show. All of these shows that are now in production by Lucasfilm are set on the backdrop of the Clone Wars and Rebels and other animated shows. So it not they don't only tie to the movies, but they tie so much to what is coming and it adds so much more depth to the stories that we are familiar with. Yeah, and that's that's really what is so exciting about it and watching it. It's really so I don't really know much about it, but um, because again I haven't seen it yet. But you know, it's it's been such a long running show as well, uh, and I'm really curious to see what Dave Filoni did with the show. Um, so maybe you know, since I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen any of it. Maybe I should go into what what I expect going into this. And yeah, you mentioned it uh, here at the beginning that it takes place in between the prequels, between episodes two and three. Um, but you know, I have only heard a little bit about it. But what I've heard was over overall very positive. That it, obviously it's much better than the prequels. So I'm I'm hopeful, um, and also on a meta level, you wouldn't put me through watching seven seasons of a bad TV show. So, I mean, or at least I hope so. But <laughs> I guess you'll see. Yeah, but also you wouldn't have watched seven seasons of a show, even if it's Star Wars, if it was bad. I mean, again, well, I don't know. Actually, I think uh, I would. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, but yeah, I don't I don't think this is going to be a bad experience for me. Um, in terms of the characters, I also know very little. I know that Anakin is going to be a part of it. I know that Ahsoka, who is Anakin's Padawan, is going to be part of it. And of course, it has to be said, Rashad and I both became an Ahmed with Ahsoka when we watched The Mandalorian. And I know you've been raving about her in this series to me uh, a few times. So I'm really curious to see how that goes. I mean, Ahsoka is the best Star Wars character, period. So. <laughs> yeah, I I agreed with you on that point, just on the basis of one episode on The Mandalorian. So uh, <laughs> I guess I'm wow, excited to see. Wow, this is going to be see. a really big journey for you. It's going <laughs> to be great. Uh, I think, I guess one of the other things that I've heard is that uh, the clones who in the movies are basically treated the same as the droids is just like automatons in a way are actually characterized in a fairly individual level and that you can definitely you can kind of even make out um like maybe different personalities and that for example um, order 66 in episode three uh just has a whole different meaning to it if you have watched clone wars and so I'm really curious about how this is going to play out. And um, yeah, I'm wondering if I can find any uh, anything that Dave Filoni put into Mandalorian as Easter eggs for people who've watched Clone Wars. So I'm, I'll be on the lookout for that or just things that add a whole layer to Mandalorian. Yeah, on that note, I mean, it's like there's so much connection between the two for sure. And I think it is also just really interesting to delve into the clones, right? They are the namesake of the Clone Wars, obviously. And to get an actual 
image of them where they have personalities and identities and they feel like actual human beings as opposed to as you said automata automa, whatever you said automatons thank you automatons i can literally say i can actually say that word i've never said that word before so oh. thank you okay um <laughs> 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 yeah so essentially it's it's really good to see it's really interesting to see a, a depth to characters that are clones and i think it's definitely you know it's no surprise that that's one of the biggest highlights of watching this show on a whole, as a whole yeah i'm also i'm also looking forward to seeing characters uh, such as bo-katan again who i know is voiced by the same actress who plays her in the mandalorian shout so out I'm katie really sackoff like, yeah she is also so good um and also i'm this is probably something we're going to talk later down the line when we talk about the new live action series or maybe even that batch um is that i'm curious to see what characters that we see in clone wars will appear in later shows and like could be the mandalorian could be any of the other new shows whether that's live action or animated and that's probably i mean we won't talk about that when talking about clone wars obviously but that's just something that you know i'm uh looking forward to uh you know it's my it's my first turn watching clone wars but you have already watched it so what are your expectations uh rewatching it i think it's the first rewatch re for you right yeah it's the first rewatch of of the whole show uh there are certain episodes that i have gone and rewatched multiple times already and whenever i'm feeling down i just go watch them and i make myself feel cozy and warm on the inside but as far as the whole show this is the first time i go through it again and i think you hit the nail on the head with the three things that you mentioned and those are the three things that i'm really interested in it's ahsoka the mandalorians and the clones those, <laughs> that that's how you can sum it up and obviously there are things that are tangential to that that are also really exciting like seeing anakin in a favorable light or sorry in a different light um seeing more depth to obi-wan's story um seeing other jedi as they roam through the universe and do their jobs so it's just a wider story that I'm happy to delve into again. And I mean, I'm not looking forward to watching the first couple seasons, to be honest. Um, but as it gets better, as it moves forward, I'm really looking forward to seeing how seeing this stuff again. And really, and when I watched it myself, I kind of just got through it really fast and watched the whole thing and didn't really pay too much attention. But going through at the level, at the granular level that we'll go through it from an analytical lens will really just heighten its value as well as just make it more interesting to go through and i think i'll see it differently for sure i think whenever you watch a tv show just for your own pleasure as opposed to going through it to actually glean out what are the lessons and what are the interesting things that are done what are the short shortcomings there are two different exercises and going through this exercise in this capacity will be really interesting so the first few seasons are not that good. Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah, and I think that you know, it, it's worth it to watch for sure, as we are doing. Um, and I think it's well known that the first couple seasons of Clone Wars are subpar. 
we should probably point out that we won't be watching necessarily the entirety of Clone Wars, so we might skip a few episodes here and there. Yeah, so we're actually going to be creating our own serially hooked watch list, and you can watch along with us as we say or announce which episodes of the following seasons of the seasons that we will be watching. So we'll be announcing which episodes we will watch and which episodes we won't watch. Um, a lot of the ones that we won't watch don't have much to do with the plot and don't really move things forward. And we'd like to really keep it streamlined in some ways. And if you want to explore the rest of the Clone Wars, that's perfectly fine and up to you. But for this, for the way that we choose to go to analyze this TV show, going really through an episode-by-episode analysis, it really is important for us to go a little bit smaller than the scope of the Clone Wars as a whole. This is a TV show made for kids, right? And I want to set that precedent up front. Um, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have some adult themes. As often the best content for kids is also good for adults, right? But there are moments where you really do notice that this is a TV show made for kids. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see whether the show can add some layers for a more adult audience, maybe. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I want to ask you, and this is something that from your experience, I guess you've watched The Mandalorian and the Star Wars films. How do you think experiencing Star Wars as a film versus a television show is different? What do you think are the differences of how one experiences television and film in that way? I mean, because of the format, it's going to be there there are going to be different opportunities for a series to explore certain things, uh, have character growth. You can maybe um, build a bigger world throughout a a series because, um, you can just jump back and forth from episode to episode. I think I think the 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 episodes of Clone Wars are not that long, right? Like twenty minutes or something. Yeah, it's about um, twenty minutes. So I'm gonna be curious how the pacing is going to be. That's obviously a huge constraint in in movies. You have you basically have a main story, uh, and don't really have that much time for subplots. At least in the better movies. You don't have that many subplots or can't give them as much time. Whereas in a series, you can have like diversions, you can have one-off episodes, you can have multiple plots that are important, develop over a long time frame and uh, have have a huge payoff at the end, um, which is just not something that a movie can do just because it's a movie. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's interesting because this show started in a different era of television than we are in right now. So where we're right now in terms of consumption and also production of this media is that television and movies have never been closer together. And essentially, in a lot of ways, television feels and looks like an extended film, as opposed to in 2008 when The Clone Wars started. They're really separate mediums in so many ways. And... It's going to be really interesting, you know, to get your thoughts on how you think, A, the pacing goes. How is the story structured? In what ways do we see these characters develop and change over time? And 
also from like I hate to say this word, but like from an auteur perspective, <laughs> how is it shot? I mean, it's animated, so it's designed, mm-hmm. right? But how is how are the scenes constructed and designed in a way that make it seem cinematic? Animation, in some ways, as a TV show, it was probably the best way to go into the Star Wars universe as a television show back then, where it takes less resources and money to develop something to be so cinematic. Because when you're looking at Star Wars, so much of it relies on not only creating the universe that we're living in, but also the technical aspects, right? The techno- the technological developments of film have been constantly pushed by Star Wars and um, have been integral to its development. In 2008, where the resources weren't available for television shows as much as they are now. It is, I think it's actually easier for them to start with an animated show to create the, the large scope battles, the lightsaber duels, the sense of space and spectacle that are easier to create in a computer generated animated show, as opposed to a live action television show or movie, which can really fall too much into the uncanny valley like in the prequels or just take over everything like in the sequel trilogy yeah and i think that's a really interesting point as well situating it in the time it started because it is exactly it's in between the prequel and the sequel trilogies it's it's before uh disney bought star wars and lucasfilm and i guess kind of wrapped up you know, or like, I guess, developed throughout the first years of that phase, you know, after after the purchase. Yeah, so it's really interesting to look at the timeline as it was, um, like, released. It began in 2008, but because it was cancelled a couple times, that it actually changed and it, it was able to kind of evolve in such a unique way. So, the first five seasons were all shot subsequent years on Cartoon Network, right? And then it was canceled. And two years after the fifth season, in 2014, season six was released on Netflix, right? And then six years after that, the final season, season seven, was released on Disney+. Plus. So we have a show that begins in 2008 and ends in 2020 so it's entirely different generations of television all wrapped up into one so it's and you really obviously notice it not only from the animation getting better over time but also how it's constructed and what they want to do becomes more intentional and you can see things much clearer as it develops and as it goes from network to network wow i I wasn't aware of that of that timeline well, it goes to show that the creators of the clone, the Clone Wars had stories that they still needed to tell and needed to get to a point where they felt like the conclusion that they wanted was on the screen. And Disney Plus, the release of Disney Plus, so the actually season seven of the Clone Wars was the first big Disney Plus show, even before The Mandalorian. And with the release of Disney Plus gave them the avenue to do this in a way that was perfect for them. It's just a very interesting way to look at this whole thing. 
I guess then it's going to be really interesting to see how much how much of Mandalorian is in there, and maybe if Dave Filoni put things in there with Mandal the Mandalorian in mind, that would be really curious to see. Obviously, you know, if you talked about it now, it would be a huge spoiler. So, yeah, for sure, we'll talk about that. And one thing, one other specific thing about this timeline that I mentioned, so season five was released in began um in 2012 right that's the same year that disney bought lucasfilm right and so we need to understand the the corporate context about what's going on around the world of star wars in our in our actual world (laughs) to see how that impacts the story on the ground right and that plays a large role into this stopping clone wars and then eventually restarting it with disney at the helm yeah, I guess, I guess it's indicative of Disney Disney's initial plan to just focus on movies and bringing out movie, like Disney uh, Star Wars movies every year. Yeah, which <laughs> in hindsight is just crazy. Uh, I guess Marvel did it as well, but well, I mean Marvel's releasing three movies a year, right? So there's just a different level there. I I. I think that it's really a lot about the quality of the films, to be honest. Before episode nine, I would have said, you know, but the the quality of di- of Star Wars movies are way better on average than Marvel movies without having seen mo- many of them. But yeah, after after episode nine, maybe not that much. That's the thing is that I think that eventually they will try to return to cre- like releasing one Star Wars film a year. Yeah. But it has to have a similar similar creative vision and quality control that makes it seem familiar yet different. It's really a hard line to toe. And uh, whatever anyone thinks about the MCU, about their quality of film, it's something that the MCU is great at doing in terms of maintaining that balance, which is almost impossible for anyone to do. So I, I don't know if they'll, they will try, I'm sure, to release Star Wars films on a yearly basis in the next decade. Um, but in the meantime, and tangential to that, they will just hammer us with television shows. And I am not complaining. You know, they're, they're going to try to do an MCU style, you know, connecting all the different shows. And I'm pretty sure that once they start releasing movies again that's exactly what they're going to try with the movies oh yeah for sure and they're going to be tied all together exactly it's similar because the mcu is doing the same thing but in reverse so they started with all these movies and they're still releasing the movies and now they're releasing these tv shows and these tv shows are connecting to these movies and these movies will connect to the tv shows right but i think the difference might be that the biggest punches will be saved in the mcu the biggest punches will be saved for the films right and Judging by the season two of The Mandalorian, the biggest punches of the Star Wars universe will not be held for like for anything. So we have yet to see how the formula will develop over time. Because we're really, to be honest, we are in phase one of this new Star Wars universe. Uh, I mean, yeah, for for a new Star Wars universe. Yeah, for sure. For our new generation. Phase two for Disney Star Wars universe because they fail, kind of failed with the with the movies. Yeah, for sure. But I would say that the trilogy, the the sequel trilogy, is more connected to the a cinematic of the previous generation than it is this new generation, even though it's a lot closer. 
Yeah, because they they thought they just have to, had to tie back to the the uh, the previous movies so much, um, which is something that is quite liberating about the Mandalorian as well. It 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 is set in the same universe, and you can you can find like connections to previous material here and there, especially as as it relates to the movies. Um, but it's not too much. I have a feeling you're gonna like this show. That's good because I'm gonna watch se- se- seven seasons of it, and I I want to like it too. So yeah, I think it has the best the best conditions for it because I don't know that much which for about it, which is always something that I like. I don't like going into stuff knowing a lot about it because that just spoils things for me. Even I guess even knowing. Uh, what people think of something spoils it for me. Even that I consider a spoiler. So I don't really know. want to know anything about stuff. I mean, now I know you like the show and that's fine. But I think also watching this this series is less of a thing than watching a movie for me in terms of getting spoiled. It's fine. It's also like a very, like at this point, a, an old TV show. So if I get spoiled by anything, it's okay. Yeah. And I will try to keep my spoilers to... Minimal because I'm the type of person who's opposite, right? I like to know everything about a show before I watch it. Now, obviously, I don't look up the plot before I watch it, but I like to look at okay, who's in this show? What are the interesting plots going on? Like plot points that are going to be covered. Um, I like to know as much context. It's just part of the excitement, and that's more so for newly released material. So material that's oh, this new show is coming out. Like so, so July 23rd, season two of Ted Lasso is coming out, and I'm just like so excited. I'm looking up everything I can about it as opposed to um, trying to hide away from all the material. It's just part of the way that I consume things, right? That's the Yeah, that is the exact opposite of what I do, because you told me just an hour ago about the new trailer, and I was like, oh, no, I need to not watch this at all. I don't want to know who's going to be cast. I don't want to know anything um, until I see it. Spoiler alert, Jason Sudeikis is in it. <gasps> Yeah, that's actually something that um, uh, there is a term for it called full media blackout, which was coined by actually someone who works for uh, the animation. He's a visual effects artist at Lucasfilm. He's called Todd Viziri. And I think that uh, term was coined by him. So, you know, just shout out to Todd Viziri um, for that, because that that has definitely influenced how I approach media, especially media that I'm very interested in. It. Yeah, it's interesting because even before I had watched the Clone Wars for the first time, I knew a lot more than you know, hmm. right? Because I had listened to stuff, I had listened to podcasts about people talking about the Clone Wars, ah, okay. right? So it's it's I didn't go into it blind, which is not a bad thing. It's just uh, it's just how I consume things. So it's yeah, yeah. For me, it's a lot about expectations, I think, and so many things have been tarnished by expectations uh, because you, I mean, usually because they, the, the expectations are way too high Yeah. for whatever it is. I've had, a, I had, I've had it happen a few times where I had really low expectations and then sometimes the thing was really good, but sometimes it was, it was just better than I expected. And that's why I liked it. Are you a person who likes to rewatch stuff? Yeah. Interesting. So those two things don't seem to be congruent in my mind. So, I mean, I just want the excitement of seeing something for the first time, not knowing anything about it. But once I know about it uh, and I like it, it has a, it has like a, um, like a cozy, comfy feeling about it. You know, it has a special place in your heart. 
Yeah, it's like it's like just a nice thing to 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 go get uh, get back to like some comfort something comforting about that, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I I definitely rewatch and like re-listen and uh, reread and all of that stuff. Maybe too much sometimes <laughs> because I don't really I don't really consume that much new stuff. Yeah, I think you're always afraid to consume new stuff and fear that you're not going to like it. Not so much. I'm just really picky about stuff. Um, that's for example, when I read books, I have a hard time reading th- contemporary literature. Interesting. Because I don't want to waste my time or my money on something that might be good, might not be good. I want to read. That's why I usually go for things that are established to be good. I see. So like, okay. So when you go to a bookstore, yeah. What section do you go to? So, so you walk in, there's all this, like, at the front, there's always a table, like, new arrivals or new books, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So where do you, like, journey when you go to a bookstore? I I don't frequently peruse bookstores. I go there to buy books by authors that I know I like. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then I buy them and then I read them. Uh, that's how I have read everything that, for example, uh, Paul Auster and Haruki Murakami have ever written, uh, because I just realized that I really like the, their work, and so I just sought out, I just sought out everything that they ever published. And with with other with other with other authors, that's also true, but to like less of an extent. I. I uh, I haven't read everything that they ever ever published, but it's yeah, that's why it's difficult for some someone new to get into the mix because I'm just so I don't know. I I guess I'm also a completionist with some certain things. With certain things, you mean everything? <laughs> uh, I don't think it's true with most things, but I, I think I think that's it's true for most things, but not for all things. Okay, fair enough. Okay, what about you? Where, where do you go in a bookstore? I mean, do you even go to a bookstore? I don't know. You seem yeah, that's to a, me, yeah, you you probably just go to Amazon. Yeah, well, I actually do really like going to bookstores, to be honest. And I just browse in bookstores all the time. I tend to, like, just literally go in circles around bookstores, undecisive. Yeah. Just not same. knowing exactly what I want to buy. Um, <laughs> I normally end up just picking up a random book or often I talk to the owner. Ugh, talking to people? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, of course, of course, you would like to, you like doing that. That's not a surprise, but ugh. yeah. So that's actually my favorite part is actually talking to the people who work at the store and getting recommendations for things that they're like or they're reading. And often, I get really interesting suggestions or things that I never would have picked up from them, right? Especially if I'm going through like a phase, because unlike you, I don't go through author phases, but sometimes I go through genre phases. So if I'm going through like a magical realism phase. And I'll just go through different books along that genre, right? The one thing that I just can't stand is I can't stand murder mystery novels. I hate them. It's the most boring thing to me. So is it just murder mystery or is it all types of, let's say, uh, crime? No, I, I, I'd say it's murder mystery in general. Like, it's just like I'm not an Agatha Christie person. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like it. I've read a few of her books. It just it just doesn't vibe with me. I think it's also similar. I don't like that genre on television as well. But you do love Knives Out because Ryan Johnson and that movie is amazing. Well, that's a fan. Like the thing is, there is always the exception to the rule. Yes. Like, and <laughs> if something is done so well, like Knives Out is done, 
um, then I will consume. I'll watch it, right? And I, I really like that idea. It's just so often the the holes in the story are so evident and so often it is just so it's just repetitive and filled with tropes that just don't interest me and it's just not well done right another author that i've read everything from is uh, dashiell hammett who is the who is the basically inventor of the hard-boiled detective oh interesting most people attribute to that to raymond chandler but actually hammett came before him and i've read everything that he wrote all his he wrote five novels and a lot of short stories uh and his novels are amazing they are they are so well written they're so there there's not a single word that's too much um it's obviously a lot of in terms of gender <laughs> it's very difficult what time period are we talking 20s and 30s ah so it's yeah, not basically a great the time. prohibition era which is really interesting uh he wrote like Maltese falcon he wrote the thin man Uh, which are probably things you've heard about. Um, and it's really funny because in, it took me two read-throughs of um, Thin Man to realize that the main protagonists, Nick and Nora Charles, are just constantly wasted. <laughs> They're just drinking all the time. <laughs> uh, it's really funny. Um, but yeah, I, I, really like, I really like those books, for example. Yeah, it's it's really a fickle thing, the genres and the content that we gravitate towards. For science fiction as well, I have watched yeah, my fair share of science fiction movies, but I have never really read any sci-fi novel. I'm trying to think of like a science fiction content that I've consumed. There's not really many. I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now. I mean, a few movies. I assume. Yeah, I mean, a few movies here and there. Um, um, I'm trying to think of like, no, I, I generally gravitate towards fantasy. Mm. Yeah, um, me too. So you don't like murder mysteries? What do you think about Sherlock Holmes or specifically the BBC, the the modern adaptation with Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman? I like it, but think it's overrated. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Does that I make agree. sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with yeah. you. Yeah, so many people think it is the greatest thing to ever grace their screens. And I think those are the people who just don't watch quality TV and just watch Law and Order. No judgment. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment, but yes, also a lot of judgment. But I, I do like it. it, it it's like it, it's better quality than the normal stuff for sure. But it, it doesn't, it still doesn't. That show has a lot of things, like in terms of quality, has a lot of things in common with Star Wars with the Star Wars movies in the sense that if the thing, if the movie or the, the episode are really are good, they're really good, but they also have a lot of stinkers in there. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So it's really high and really low kind of thing. But I mean, it's actually, that's actually, I mean, a better way to put it because they aren't a TV show that each one is a movie essentially. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah. I think also the weight of the show is built on Benedict Cumberbatch's performance and his mm -hmm. gravitas. It is that's a good quality, obviously, because it adds to the show, but also allows them to hide behind less than stellar um, plots or logic some of the times, if that makes sense. Like I'm a very huge fan of Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's very talented. 
His American accent can do some work. <laughs> I've heard I've heard about Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't think this is a spoiler because it's not real, right? Okay. There are some fans who are calling for him to be cast as the live action um version of um Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh... That would be absolutely amazing. I would love that. It's not real. It's not a spoiler because it hasn't hasn't happened. Yeah. Um, and he's denied it, so it's probably not going to happen. It's just the idea of him in that role would be amazing. I I mean I know nothing about Grand Admiral Thrawn, but just when I hear the name and the title as well, I feel like I am I imagine someone who's older than Cumberbatch. Oh, fair enough. I think the thing is with Admiral Th- Grand Admiral Thrawn is that his most famous piece of content are novels oh, right yeah. so there's a yeah, timothy yeah. zahn trilogy of uh based on admiral thrawn and his story uh-huh. um his like origin and his his time in the imperial blah 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 etc etc that is sort of the most famous thing with him mm-hmm. and he does show up a little bit later in some other things but the only reference you've seen to him to my knowledge is when ahsoka is searching for him at the end of that episode yep. that's obviously a teaser for him appearing at some point in one yeah. of the shows, in one of the many shows that are happening, possibly in the tie-in of all of these shows, that could be an interesting. I hadn't thought about that to be honest, but that could be an interesting connective tissue between all these television shows. But alas, we have gone way too far and yes. <laughs> way too far off track. I don't know how we got to this point, but I don't know. we are watching Clone Wars um, for the first season of Clone Wars. We will be watching the following episodes. Actually, we're going to be skipping the first half of the season just because the quality is so low. It doesn't really tie in too much to any of the other stuff. And I think it's important for us to really begin on a high note. So we're going to be starting with, oh, sorry, a relative high note. For the first season of Clone Wars, we'll be watching episodes 11 through 15 and then 19 through 22. So join us next time as we talk about those episodes and move forward on our Clone Wars journey. If you want to get in touch with us, there are a few ways you can do that. Email. Yeah, you can write us an, e- an email, uh, hello at seriallyhooked.com. Website. Our website is seriallyhooked.com. And Twitter. At seriallyhooked. So that's it. And uh, yeah, join us next time as we delve into season one of Clone Wars. I can't believe I just did that.